Welcome to another edition of From the Preacher's Study. Uh, my name is Kevin Clark. I'm a member of the Oak Mountain Church of Christ, and I, along with my brother, uh, Bob Hutto, who's the preacher here at the Oak Mountain Church of Christ, uh, we have been bringing uh, the Word of God to you through this podcast. We're very thankful for the opportunity to do that. We thank you for the technology for that. And we also have a couple deacons here who enable us in that, and that's uh, Jason Reed and Mark Townsend, and they're with us every time we uh, record this podcast. I want to thank them for their uh, talents being lent to this endeavor. Uh, as you know, we've been looking at the book of Ephesians, and specifically we're now in chapter 6, and we've been looking for several sessions here about the armor that God says we're to take on. And certainly the idea of armor suggests that there's a war going on, and that's very serious, the war for the hearts and souls of men. And uh, we're told very specifically the only way we can prevail in this role or this war is if we take on the power that God has that he's made available to us through these actions that we can take and these uh, characteristics that we can have. So it's a joint endeavor, if you will. God provides everything that we need. We couldn't do it by ourselves. Uh, certainly everything through Jesus Christ and His Son, no salvation except through that. But once that is accomplished, there are things that are available that it's ultimately up to us to choose to avail ourselves of. And if we do, then he says, guess what? You'll stand against the wiles of the devil. But if you choose not to, guess what? You'll fall, and falling would be eternal damnation. And so I think it's very important that we understand that we play a role in this. We talked about last time working out your own salvation with fear and trembling, Philippians 2, 12, uh, 2, 11 through 12. And so we want God to get the glory and the honor for everything he's done. But notice, not only here, but all through the Scriptures, God's salvation many times is conditional, that there are things that men have to do. David had to do some things to slay Goliath. Uh, the children of Israel had to do some things for the walls of Jericho to fall down. The children of Israel had to do something in order to get away from the Egyptians. There tends to be a theme here that, yes, God is our salvation, but he has conditions for that salvation, and we choose to accept them or we not. If we don't, then we really have no one to blame for being lost other than ourselves. Right. And so, like you said, the glory is not ours. No. I mean, we, we, uh, God places certain conditions mm -hmm. on his promises often, uh, but, but still, the, the glory is, is his, mm -hmm. that he's made the promise, he's put us in a position mm -hmm. to accept the promise, and so the glory is His That's and right. not ours, That's right. even though there is some responsibility right. that we have to meet. And you're right, it's very consistent through, through the Scriptures mm -hmm. that God offers His promises mm -hmm. uh, to those who obey Him, That's to right. those who follow His instruction. And uh, we again, I'd, I'd like to welcome everybody uh, to our study today. Uh, we, we mention this regularly that we are members here at the Oak Mountain Church yeah. of Christ. And many of the people that watch this and listen to it are, are members here, but That's it may right. be that we have some who are not members sure. here. Right. And uh, we'd love to have you come and visit with us Amen. and worship with us. And so just if you're watching online, just uh, look at uh, the information there about the times of services and, and come and be with us. And we'd love it. We'd love a, an opportunity to meet you. So. Take advantage of that if you can. Amen. Thank you, brother. Appreciate that. So we're in Ephesians uh, chapter 6, and uh, we're going to pick up verse 17. And it's interesting, all of the uh, pieces of armor that we've been talking about are just that, pieces of armor, uh, protective, if you will, defensive, if you will. It's designed to deflect the blows of Satan. But we come tonight, or at this time, to uh, the only offensive weapon that's mentioned in this series of passages, and that is the sword of the Spirit. So it says in verse 17, and take the helmet of salvation 
and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Again, the only offensive weapon in this description. Everything else is shielding. It's protecting. You're talking about a helmet. You're talking about a breastplate. You're talking about shotting your feet. But this is an offensive weapon, and we don't have to guess what it is because the inspired writer tells us the sword of the Spirit is the Word of God. God's inspired Word. It's very powerful. And, of course, when I say that, I can't help but think about Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 12. So if you turn over there with me, Hebrews, the fourth chapter, verse 12, where we get a description of the Word of God that is exactly parallel to what we've read here in uh, Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 17. And you'll have to excuse me. I just bought a new Bible, and so things are not broken in. <laughs> you know how you get things real comfortable, like an old pair of slippers. Well, this is a new one for me. But uh, Hebrews 4.12 says the following, For the Word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit and of joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. I love that opening line, the Word of God is living and powerful. Sometimes people will ask, you know, why should our lives be regulated by these dead letters that are written by men who lived a couple thousand years ago? Why should we be governed by that? Well, we get the answer here. These are not dead letters. These, this is the Word of God. It is living and it is powerful. It has the ability to change men's hearts. It has the ability to rescue us from the clutches of Satan. And it is divinely inspired. That's another key point. Let's look at 2 Timothy chapter 3 on that point. Uh, the reason why it's living and powerful, it's 2 Timothy chapter 3. And we'll look at verses 14 through 17. 2 Timothy 3, 14 through 17. But you must continue. This is Paul talking by inspiration to Timothy. But you must continue the things which you have learned and been assured of, knowing from whom you have learned them, and that from childhood you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. So the question, why? Why are these Scriptures able to make us wise? Verse 16 gives us the answer. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. Why? Verse 17, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. And so the reason why the sword of the Spirit is living and powerful is it is not just the words of the Apostle Paul. They're not just the words of Peter, but the words of Paul and Peter are inspired by God. So the ultimate author of the Bible, the ultimate author of the Word of God is God Himself. Uh, the word inspiration is God breathed. God breathed out these words. And so if they come from God, then it flows. Yes, it's profitable for doctrine. Yes, it's profitable for proof. Yes, and it is profitable uh, for uh, making the man of God complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. So we, we have this sword of the Spirit that's so sharp, and we'll go back to Hebrews 4.12 in just a minute. But the reason is, is it comes from God. That is a critical point. It is not a man-made doctrine or man-made document, but the Word of God is by definition powerful. Think about the words of God did what? Created the universe. God spoke into existence the universe. The same power that resonates from the Word of God is what we have that regulates our souls and tells us how to get to heaven. And so the idea of the sword of the Spirit that's sharp, that's living and powerful, is a great description of this Word. This is our offensive weapon. This is what we take and taking the fight to Satan. We take it to uh, the highways and the byways. We take it to our neighborhoods. We take it to our schools. This is what we do. We spread the gospel, and it does the work of converting men. Right, so I think that's a 
super important point that you're making that, you know, the, the, the sword of the spirit is the word that he's revealed. So what's mm-hmm. what's the weapon of the spirit? What's mm-hmm. the tool mm-hmm. that the spirit works through? Mm-hmm. Well, it's it's his word. That's right. That's neglected, I think, sometimes uh, in uh, among among folks today. You know, so there's we need to place a strong emphasis on the word, right? Knowing the word, mm-hmm. studying the word, and there's a link between the spirit and the word. That's it even right. goes back into That's the right. Old Testament. Yes. Yes. Here's Isaiah 59 verse mm-hmm. 20. Now listen to this. A redeemer will come to Zion and to those who turn from transgression in Jacob, declares the Lord. As for me, this is my covenant with them, says the Lord. My spirit which is upon you and my words which I have put in your mouth shall not depart from your mouth. Look Mm -hmm. at the link between Mm -hmm. the spirit Mm -hmm. and the word. Mm -hmm. My spirit is upon you. My words are in your mouth. Mm -hmm. And then again in uh, Isaiah chapter 61, verse 1, speaking of the Messiah, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to bring good news to the afflicted. Mm -hmm. So you see again the link between the Spirit Mm -hmm. and the Word that's proclaimed. Absolutely. And so when we, as you've said, when we read this, we study this, we teach this, we're studying the word, not just the Word of God, but Mm -hmm. the words of God. Right, that's right. Revealed through the Spirit. Ephesians Mm -hmm. chapter 3, that the mystery of Christ in other generations was not made known to the sons of men as it has now been revealed to his holy apostles and prophets in the spirit. And so the spirit uh, communicated the message, guided these men Mm -hmm. into the truth. They wrote it down. When we read it, well, then we can see see the things that the spirit would have us to know. Amen. Faith comes by hearing. Hearing And how, how does hearing by the word, hearing by the word, by the word of God, faith comes through the mm-hmm. Word of God. And so, you know, so sometimes uh, people want to kind of feel their way through religion and mm-hmm. spirituality, and sometimes people equate the idea of being spiritual with emotional. Mm-hmm. He's a very mm-hmm. spiritual person, means they have strong emotions mm-hmm. sometimes. But we cannot overlook uh, the technical work of right. studying the Word. Right. The Word equips us for correct doctrine, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. okay? The Word equips us for instruction in righteousness, mm-hmm. correct behavior. Mm-hmm. And when we neglect the Word, mm-hmm. neglect the Spirit, well, then we're, you know, we're really uh, abandoning our guide Amen. in all of those areas. Amen. You know, I want to go back to Hebrews 4.12 again, talking about the idea that this sh- sword is so sharp, sharper than any two-edged sword, pierces even the division of soul and spirit. And we see some examples of that in the book of Acts. Uh, I like to compare uh, Acts chapter 2 uh, with uh, Acts chapter 7. And we're going to see how this sword cuts, and how it cuts depends upon the person who's being cut. So in Acts chapter 2, uh, we're familiar with this on Pentecost, you have uh, Peter's inspired message, Acts 2.37 or 2.36. He's concluding, at least at that portion, Therefore let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. Now listen to verse 37, the reaction to this. Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? 
Later on, he tells them, repent to be baptized. Verse 41, it says, then those who gladly received his word were baptized. And that day, about 3,000 souls were added to them. Go back to their reaction to hearing the word of God. That's exactly what they heard from Peter. It says they were cut to the heart. By what? The sword of the spirit. That's what a sword does. It cuts. And it cut them in a way that revealed that they needed a savior. And they responded in a positive way saying, you're right. We've been convicted. What do we need to do? And then they were ready to hear the message, repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. But then if you turn over to Acts chapter 7, uh, we see the cutting ability of the Word of God that cuts a little differently because we have a different character of persons who hear the message. In Acts chapter 7, we're dealing with Stephen who is defending himself uh, against these false charges that he had blasphemed Moses and blasphemed the temple. He had done no such thing. In fact, in his sermon in Acts 7, he shows that his message is consistent with what God has been doing with the people of Israel leading up to this moment to where his son is the fulfillment of the plan. So in Acts chapter 7 and verse 51, he says this, you stiff-necked and uncircumcised and hardened ears, you always resist the Holy Spirit. As your fathers did, so do you. Which of the prophets did your fathers not persecute? And they killed those who foretold the coming of the just one, of whom you now have become the betrayers and murderers, who have received the law by the direction of angels and have not kept it. Now listen to verse 54. When they heard these things, they were what? Cut to the heart. Remember that? Acts 2, same thing, different reaction. And they gnashed at him with their teeth. Uh, go on in verse 57. And they cried out with a loud voice, stopped their ears, and ran at him with one accord, and they cast him out of the city and stoned him. Interesting. They were cut to the heart by the word of God that Stephen preached. And how did they react? Well, unfortunately, they had a negative reaction, and they killed Stephen. So the word is sharper than any two-edged sword. It is piercing. And I don't know if you remember Hebrews 4.12. It says, it's a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. The Word of God lays bare who we really are. It tells us about ourselves and we'll listen. It exposed these men. They did not care about truth. They did not care about righteousness. They did not care about a fair trial. They were interested in shutting down Stephen. In Acts 2, it revealed here were some men that were remorseful. They understood, we have killed the Son of God. What can we do about this? And when they heard they could repent and be baptized for the mission of those sins, they did that. But it was the Word of God that in both instances did the cutting because it is truly the sword of the Spirit. So... The Word of God is not going to uh, return void. It's going Ooh, to do its work. That's right. And it does the work of justifying and saving, mm -hmm. but it also does the work of, of condemning. It reminded me of 2 Corinthians chapter, mm -hmm. chapter 2 and verse 14. Paul says, Thanks be to God, who always leads us in triumph in Christ, manifests through us the sweet aroma of the knowledge of Him in every place. We are a fragrance of Christ to God among those who are being saved, and among those who are perishing. Mm -hmm. To the one, an aroma from death to death. To the other, an aroma from life to life. And who's adequate for these things? We are not like many peddling the word of God, but as from sincerity, but as from God, we speak in Christ in the sight of God. Amen. We're preaching the word. That's right. And it saves people, right. but it also condemns it people does. When, they, it does. when they reject it. I was yeah. thinking of James chapter 1, mm -hmm. verse 21, where he says mm, that it's yes, the yeah, word... Yeah. The implanted word save will save your soul. And then he transitions into a discussion of being doers of the word. Mm -hmm. And so here's the sword of the spirit, mm -hmm. the word of God. Put it into your heart, implant it into your heart. Amen. Be a doer of the word and it'll save your soul. Absolutely. And one other, I know we've run out of time here. One other verse I'd like to bring to the audience's attention. Romans 1.16 says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, 
For it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also for the Greek. And we know the gospel is the good news. It's the word of God, the word that has been presented. Paul says, I'm not ashamed of that word. You know why? Because it is the power of God unto salvation. So as we said, that's what we're in the business of doing. We are presenting the word of God to everybody around us. Why? Because it alone has the power to save. It provides the information that's needed for us to be saved. And so when you think about the church, which is the, you've made this point, the pillar and ground of the truth, that's what, it's a teaching institution. What is the work that we're doing? It's teaching. How do we take the fight to the devil? It's teaching. The word of God will do what it was intended to do. And anything else, using physical means and physical allure and trying to get people with entertainment and trying to get people uh, with all kinds of appeals to pleasure and ego, none of that's ever going to work. If you want to fight the devil, <clears throat> excuse me, you fight him with a spiritual weapon. And what is our spiritual weapon? It's the Word of God. Let us never lose faith in that weapon. And so as preachers, we want to preach the Word. Amen. Amen. And as listeners, <clears throat> we want to insist that the Word is preached. That's right. That's Amen. the only thing that ultimately is, is going to save us. That's it's what exactly the Word right. of God can provide for us. And if we'll do that, mm -hmm. well, then it'll save ourselves. Amen. Well, appreciate this. We've run out of time. As always, we want to end uh, the podcast with a word of prayer. Brother Bob, can I ask you to lead us in a word of prayer? Sure. Our Father in heaven, we're thankful for the word that you've revealed to us, that you love us, and that you're interested enough in us to, uh, to reveal your word, to give us the information that uh, will enable us to be forgiven of our sins so that our fellowship with you can be restored. Father, we are thankful that we can read your word, that we can learn what sin is, that sin is a transgression of what you've taught us to do. It's a transgression of your law. And we pray, Father, that we'll learn as much as we possibly can about what sin is so that we might be able to avoid it. We also learn in your word what you've done to save us, that you've sent your only begotten Son into the world, and that he was willing to go to the cross and shed his blood to make atonement for our sin. We're so thankful, Father, that, the, that we've learned that, that your word has revealed that to us and that we've been taught those things. Without the sacrifice of Christ, Father, we know that we would be lost. And so we're so, so thankful that you have provided him and that you've, you've uh, preserved that message for us until this day. Father, we pray that we will continue to look into your word, that we will open our hearts to it, that we will allow it to guide our lives, that it will... Uh, direct us and show us the way that we ought to go and so that we might live a life that's pleasing to you. Our Father, we're thankful for the promises that are contained in that word, the promise of eternal life, the promise of a home in heaven that you've prepared for us, uh, the, the promise of eternity in your presence, in your glory. We're so thankful for those promises and we, we have them in your word. Father, we believe in those promises we hope for those promises, and we ask you, Father, to help us and to guide us along as we go through this life so those promises will become a reality for us. Once again, Father, we're thankful for your love, for your generosity and kindness, for the word that you've revealed, and we pray, Father, that we'll take it up, that we'll open our eyes and hearts to it so that we might be pleasing to you. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.